0: This morning we'll be looking at Exodus chapter 12 verses 1 through 13. So parents, if you want to help your children find that passage in Exodus, Exodus chapter 12 verses 1 through 13, second book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, we'll be looking at Exodus chapter 12. We're continuing our series as we look at God's story, our story. How does God's unfolding story help make sense of our story, particularly our story right now. The story of Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 13, is the story of the Passover lamb. It recalls the event in the nation of Israel where they were delivered from bondage at the hand of the Egyptians and brought into freedom, a new life of grace, This story of the Passover lamb in Exodus chapter 12 is eventually commemorated as the Passover feast, a festival that would be celebrated every year. The book of Exodus, the theme of this book is God's deliverance. It's God's deliverance and God's salvation. The word Exodus literally means exit or to exit out of. It's the story of the Israelites getting out of bondage, getting out of Egypt. You remember that Israel has been in bondage for 400 years. When we end the book of Genesis, we end it by looking at the life of Joseph. Then 400 years passes, and as Exodus opens up, we are introduced to a character by the name of Moses. Israel has been in bondage under the Egyptians for 400 years, and God calls a man by the name of Moses. He meets him at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, and he says, Moses, I want to use you to go to the Pharaoh and announce this message to him. Let my people go. Well, Pharaoh doesn't listen. And because of that, God sends nine plagues, nine judgments upon the Egyptians and upon Pharaoh's household. And Pharaoh still doesn't listen until the 10th and final plague. And that's where we find ourselves here this morning. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 13 The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take... According to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. When the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight, then they shall take some of the blood. Put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall not let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for it will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and all of the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are when I see the blood I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And on this Lord's day, the grass withers and the flower fades. For the word of our Lord, no, the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. I think I finally have found the one thing our nation can all agree on. In a divided nation, the one thing that we all agree on is we absolutely hate the coronavirus. We're tired of it. We're sick of it. We're over it. The one thing we can all agree on is that we have no taste and we are not big fans of this virus You see, it was this virus just a week ago that absolutely sent our nation and your family into a tailspin. Overnight, it turned this community upside down. And I haven't been able to find one person who's a big fan of it right now. Well, you see here in Exodus chapter 12, we see another nation in a tailspin. We see another nation that's been turned upside down, but it's been for 400 years. You think your conditions are bad? For 400 years, these people, the nation of Israel, have been living as aliens and foreigners in Egypt, under bondage and in slavery and captivity by the hands of the Egyptians and plague after plague after plague is coming upon their land that they are in bondage. And still Pharaoh will not relent. Pharaoh will not back down. And it is sending this people into a tailspin, turning their world upside down. And it is in the midst of this final plague that God says, I am bringing a destroyer. I will sweep in to Israel, to Egypt. And I will strike down the firstborn that it sends the nation of Israel scrambling. And God, in this moment, a people that have already suffered so much, a people who are beyond themselves, a people who have no hope and have lost their joy, God says this, although I will pass through and bring my destroyer by night, I'm going to give you one thing and it's a lamb a lamb you're gonna give us a lamb not a plan not extra protection you're gonna give us a lamb and that's exactly what makes this passage so powerful this morning that when they were at the end of their rope God said I give you a lamb let's look at the significance of this lamb this morning The first thing that we see here in Exodus chapter 12 is the the story of the lamb. What are they to do with this lamb? He gives, God gives the people of Israel, the nation of Israel living in Egypt and facing this last plague, this 10th plague. He gives them some instructions And in verse 12, he goes over in verse 12 and 13, the particulars of this final 10th plague. That through the night, he will pass through and that God will take out every firstborn. He says this, this idea that he will come as a destroyer, this ultimate force. And God says nothing will be able to stop it. The ultimate force of the universe, God himself, will be sweeping in through the night. And nothing will be able to stop it. No military power, the Egyptian gods, not Pharaoh himself will be able to stop it. But one thing, a lamb, a lamb, the the world's greatest superpower at the time, Egypt, will not be able to stop this force. But you're telling me a lamb will? Yes, a lamb in verse 5, what are the instructions? Take a lamb without blemish, a lamb without defect, a male lamb, a year old. And then in verse 13, what are you to do with this lamb without defect? The blood, you shall offer the lamb up and you shall use the blood of the lamb and what God calls them to do is paint the blood of the lamb on the doorpost so that when the destroyer comes th- by night, he will not strike down the firstborn. That destruction will not come into that home, but it will pass over. As the destroyer passes through, the story of the lamb is that the lamb will be the only thing that will cause God to pass over, as God is bringing destruction to the, to the nation of Egypt, he is passing over those that are covered by the blood of the lamb. You see, us in our modern minds, we don't get this. You're telling me the only thing that can stop the ultimate force of the universe, God himself, is a little cuddly lamb? Well, you'll never understand the the significance of the Lamb here in Exodus chapter 12 until you understand the storyline of the Lamb. You see, the Lamb is not first introduced to us here in Exodus chapter 12, but the story of the Lamb is introduced to us back in Genesis. You see, the story of the Lamb can be traced all throughout the story of Scripture some commentators have said that, that if you were to sum up the whole narrative of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, it is the narrative of the Lamb. From Genesis to Revelation, God is providing a Lamb. We saw this last in our study in Genesis chapter 12. Isaac and Abraham are marching up the mountain, and Isaac, in his innocence, asks his father, Dad, I see the wood and I see the fire. But where is the lamb? You see, the lamb was always needed as an offering. And it would be God who eventually provides the offering in Genesis chapter 12. Because here's the reality. The people of God have always needed a lamb. Because God is holy and we are not. And so a debt has to be paid. A debt had to be paid in Genesis, and a debt has to be paid here in Exodus. A debt for sin has to be paid. And so all throughout the scriptures, God is providing the offering. God is providing the offering of the lamb. And so the only hope in Genesis chapter 22, and the only hope here in Exodus chapter 12, the only hope for the firstborn is the story of the lamb. We need a lamb And that's where we see the story of the Lamb presented to us here in Exodus chapter 12. But not only do we see a Lamb presented to us in the story continuing of the Lamb all throughout Scripture, but the second thing that we see here in Exodus chapter 12 is the substitution of the Lamb. Pastor Sam Lamerson talked about it a little earlier, that what marks our faith as Christians is a Lamb standing in our place, A lamb that is able to take our sin upon him. A lamb that is able to bear our burdens. And in return, we receive his righteousness. You see, we need a substitute. That is the unfolding story of the lamb. And we see the substitution of the lamb here. And without the substitution of the lamb, without the lamb taking the place of the Israelites here in Exodus chapter 12, they have no hope. Someone has to take their place. And it is the lamb. We see it here in verses 3 and 4. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, everyone shall take a lamb according to their father's house. Verse 4, and if the household is too, too small, go to the nearest neighbor. But the bottom line is, every Israelite had to be represented by a lamb. And why is that so significant? Because God could have easily said, you're an Israelite. You're a chosen people. You're moral people. Just hang tight and stay in your homes and everything will be okay. But what is God saying to them? It doesn't matter whether you're Egyptian. It doesn't matter whether you're an Israelite. All people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so God is no respecter of persons and cultures It is not our culture that will save us. It is not our morality that will save us. It is not our name that will save us. It is only by the blood of the Lamb that will save us. And if there was ever a time for us to remember this truth, it is today. The stock market won't save us. Our government will not save us. The only thing... That will save you and me is the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed once and for all. They needed a lamb to stand in their place. And listen to me today. You need a lamb. Your only hope is that a lamb would stand in your place. A lamb would serve as your substitute. But we not only see the substitution of the lamb by the blood painted on the doorpost, but we also see it in the dinner. In verses 8 through 11, God goes through what the dinner should look like. That after the lamb has been offered and the blood is on the doorpost, you should take the the meat of the lamb and you should have a dinner. This is known in the Jewish tradition as the Seder Supper. Seder simply means order because there's an order that is performed in the dinner as they commemorate the escape from Egypt. But right there on the dinner table, can you imagine, not only on the blood of the doorpost, but right there on the dinner table, you are reminded of the substitution of the lamb That every firstborn son would have looked down at the Passover meal and would have been reminded as he looked at the lamb, this should have been me. This could have been me. That the substitution is not just seen on the doorpost, but seen right there on the dinner table. And this would be part of the tradition of the people of God every year as they celebrate the escape from Egypt and they celebrate the Passover. Why? Why wasn't it enough just to celebrate this once here in Exodus chapter 12? Why would the people of God continue to celebrate this feast every single year? It's because this lamb on the table points to a greater lamb. This feast points to a greater feast. This lamb points to a better substitute So that when we fast forward through the scriptures, we see Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, at the Passover meal, we see a Jesus who stands up and he celebrates the ultimate Passover meal. But as Jesus stands, they must have been in shock. Because on the table was the unleavened bread. On the table was the cup of wrath. But what was missing? What was missing at Jesus' Passover meal was the lamb. Or was it? You see, the lamb was no longer needed to be on the table because the lamb of God was standing in their midst. You see, all of the lambs and all of the Passovers point to the ultimate Lamb into the ultimate Passover meal, where God would rescue us once and for all from the bondage of sin and death through his lamb, his very Son of God. You see, this is what makes Christianity so unique. What makes Christianity so unique is that it is based on the truth that an innocent lamb stood in the place of you and me the innocent stood in the place of the guilty once and for all there is no hope for you and me today without the substitution of the lamb and so lastly if this is all true if this is god's unfolding story the story of the lamb can be seen all throughout scripture and that the story of the Lamb all throughout Scripture ultimately points to the great substitution of Jesus Christ as the ultimate Lamb of God. I want to ask you this question. How are we to respond today? How are we to respond? We see how the people of God responded to the Lamb in Exodus chapter 12, but how are we as the people of God to respond to the Lamb? Well, we respond Just as John the Baptist responded. You see, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, and what does he say? He says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, it is in that moment that the people of God understood that we are not saved by a little cuddly lamb that they understood that Abraham's son and the Israelites' firstborns were not saved by a lamb, but they were saved by Jesus. You see, it was in that moment when John the Baptist announces, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that we understand that we are saved because God gave up his firstborn son. And salvation is available to all those who place their faith and their hope in the ultimate Lamb of God, Jesus the Christ. We're not saved by a little lamb. We're saved by the firstborn Son of God who sacrificed his Son so that we could be saved forever. And it's in those words, behold the Lamb, that we understand the gravity of what John the Baptist is saying. You see, when he says, behold the Lamb, he's not saying, oh, there he is. Oh, there's Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God is equivalent to saying, look, be captured by it. The one we've been longing for, the one we've been waiting for, here he is. Don't miss him. When John the Baptist says, behold, it's as if he's saying, be captured by this Jesus, be transformed by this lamb. Don't miss him. And I want to ask you this morning, have you? Have you been captured by the lamb of God? Have you been so transformed by Jesus? You know, it's my fear that we in the North American church are more captured and more transformed by the news and captured and transformed by Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that through this season, this season of loss, this season where everything seems like it is being turned upside down, that you would behold the Lamb of God like never before and your mind and your heart and your life would not be captured by the chaos of this world, but your heart and your life would be captured and transformed by the Savior of sinners, by the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world once and for all. So Christian, listening this morning, my prayer is that you would behold the Lamb of God in this season, and that you would ask yourself, through my words and through my life, what kind of God is on display? As the world is watching me as a follower of Jesus Christ, am I living my life in such a way that it shows that I am beholding the Lamb of God, that I've been captured by Him, and that my life has been transformed by it? If you're not a Christian this morning, Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for listening. And if you're not a believer this morning, you have never placed your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. I can't do anything more than just urge you right now, urge you and plead with you to behold the Lamb, be captured by this Jesus, and be transformed by him. Paul says, for although all those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in their heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that is your promise this morning. Behold him. Be captured by him. Be transformed by him. You know, if you were to approach an Israelite here in Exodus, whether it be during this Passover or their eventual season in the wilderness, and you were to ask them, Who are you? They would have answered this way, I am an alien in a foreign land. I have suffered greatly, but I have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. And God is my refuge. And God is my comfort. And I know you look around, and it looks like a bleak wilderness. But I have hope because I am headed to the promised land. Christian, church, what a moment to be alive. What a moment to declare to our neighbors and to our friends and to the watching world that God is on his throne. And although it looks bleak, we have hope because we are a people headed to the promised land. I beg you, church, do not miss this moment. Do not waste this opportunity to show the world more than ever before that we have a God that rescues, and we have a God that saves, and we have a God that leads us on through many dangers, toils and snares. I have already come his grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Behold the Lamb, the one who stands in our place, the one who is slain, the one who removes our fear of death. Behold the Lamb, our only hope.